0: the Bible uses big weird words sometimes. Trey read and then uh, emphasized in his prayer the word extol which we could substitute if we wanted to, the word praise or brag on or what else? Uh, Worship, admire, we could put a more common word in there if we wanted to. Uh, But I love that the English Bible keeps and holds on to some of these Old words because it it sets God apart as different we may I may brag on you guys I want to brag on our students today I do this often I sit right here I get to hear these young men back behind me and young ladies too singing out in worship to God I praise the Lord that is guys that is a point of worship to me to get to sit here and into my ears hear you young men young ladies praising God if you are a dad or a mom here today of one of these young people the fact that they're praising God the way they are out loud and confidently uh, has to do with you and them watching you. If you're a man or a lady in our church they're not yours exactly uh, but you're here and you sing and you worship and you're unafraid to call out the praises of God in here whether you can sing or not and I know some of you can't I, you know but whether you can whether you can do it or not you are the example That these guys and these little ones who stood here just a moment ago uh, have, uh, for, for when they are ready to worship God, they will have seen men of God, women of faith, sitting here doing the same thing. Thank you for your example, students, children, thank you for your courage. And so we, I can say I brag on you guys for one, but I wouldn't say I brag on God, it's appropriate to say we extol God. I love John 3, 16 when it says in the old language whoever what, believe-eth, right? You just add an E-T-H on something it sounds high and mighty. Uh, I'm going to start doing that at Arby's today after church but <laughs> I, want the, I want the roast beef sandwich eth. Uh, but, uh, uh, whoever believe F. I mean I love the power of that because our belief in Jesus is not any old belief. It sets it apart and so I don't know even why I'm saying all this but uh, it, it goes to say our God is great and he is other than and he is holy and he is different. That's why today he's worthy no matter the ugliness of the weather outside and no matter Maybe the dark clouds of your heart today, whatever's going on in your life, God is always worthy, he's always great, greater than anything that is common. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Jonah, the prophet Jonah in the Old Testament, uh, chapter uh, 1 and 2. We'll we'll talk about the last verse of Jonah chapter 1 and the first 10 verses of Jonah chapter 2. Take your time in getting there. If you don't have a Bible today these words will be on the screen and if you don't have a Bible in your life we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good reliable copy of God's Word just for you and so those are on the back table as you leave you can't miss them Uh, we have several different uh, kind of designs or versions out there and if you need God's Word in your life and you don't have your own you take that I mean it would do our heart good Uh, you're doing us a favor Uh, By doing that and so you take that we'd be honored for you to have it at no cost uh, to you. As I was preparing for the sermon this week I saw an article about a lady in Manchester, New Hampshire. Happened two weeks ago that she uh, went to take her trash out to the dumpster, lived in an apartment area and went to take it to the dumpster and somehow she fell into the dumpster and as the timing was uh, as she was struggling to get out uh, the truck came and dumped the dumpster into the truck and took her with it. Uh, And so she was struggling to get out from under the trash and the man just continued on his route dumping other dumpsters on top of her Uh, and at each stop he would compact the trash. She got compacted four times uh, along this journey, four times she was compacted in there with all that trash and as, as her luck would have it, there was a safety camera that points back into the truck. He should look more often at it, I think. But he finally did glimpse the safety camera and was able to see her back there and call 911. Officials say it's a miracle he was able to see her on that camera because by that time she was this tall. Uh, is it, you see, because she'd been compacted. It is foggy outside today. Yeah. <clears throat> But anyway, she was rescued, she was, you know, had minor injuries taken to the hospital and did okay. They said she still uh, was still kind of struggling to uh, to get her wits back and to get back to normal, but um, it's bad to be trapped, isn't it? It's bad to be trapped anywhere. I hate the feeling of being confined like that. We come to a point in the story of the prophet Jonah, the historical account of what happened with God and his prophet Where he finds himself in just such a situation where he is captive inside the belly of a great fish and i think it is not inappropriate to suggest this could have been a whale but it doesn't have to be the hebrew language has a word for whale and the bible chooses here to use a different word a great fish so i think either way you go with this it hardly matters uh, but i think you'll be okay uh, either way a great fish or a whale was this fish Uh, created just for this moment a special fish? Was this a, a, a large fish that already existed? We don't know. We just don't know the answer to that. But what we do know is that what is written in God's Word is the actual truth of what took place. And so the prophet Jonah was supposed to go by command of God to a place called Nineveh a foreign country outside of the promises of God, a wicked enemy people to God's own people, Uh, there was a hatred between these two countries and possibly because of that hatred, that deep hatred. If you can think of uh, the hatred that Americans may feel toward our vilest enemy, and maybe you might have to go back a generation or two uh, to remember a great war that we had been in remember a a personal loss that stung deep into your life of someone who once was here and is now gone at the hands of a vicious enemy and maybe that enemy is known to be wicked and evil and ungodly and to think of what rises up in our hearts and and the, the 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 difficulty of praying for those enemies the difficulty of, of having compassion on them. Maybe you think of a husband or a wife who walked out on you, who cheated on you, who left, who abused, who harmed your children. You think, How? there's a hatred there. I understand that. I'm not advocating it, but as a human being, I understand that the prophet Jonah likely felt this way toward the Ninevites, and they earned every bit of that reputation and God in his compassion and praise him for such a compassion because it took that magnitude of compassion that even you and I might be brought into the family of God. We are no less sinners and God saw us and rescued us through that same compassion. Through his compassion he says to Jonah, rise up and go and cry out against Nineveh, Call them to repentance that they might come to me. Jonah doesn't want to do it, and later he admits why. You read on in the book of Jonah, he admits, he said, Lord, I knew you would rescue them because they did repent. Spoiler alert, they did repent. Uh, And and Jonah says, God, I knew you would do this. That's why I didn't want to go. I knew you were a God of compassion, I knew you were a God of steadfast love. I, I knew this is the type of thing that you do. And now you've forgiven them haven't you? And now they've repented haven't they? God I can't stand it." He didn't want to go at all and you know what? He didn't go. He did not go to Nineveh, he got on a boat and went the opposite direction as far as he could get to the other end of the earth, the known earth at that time, as far away from the presence of the Lord as he thought that he could get. He was on a boat and the Bible says that the Lord hurled a wind you don't want God sending anything like that your way, but when He hurls it, you know it's significant. He hurled a wind onto the sea and battered that ship, and you can imagine the planks of that ship. The Bible says it began to break apart. The sailors were panicking. They called Jonah and said, Who is it you are again? Tell us a little bit about, about your background. And they figured out by casting lots, they figured out this was because of Jonah. And in the end, there was no way to save the ship without throwing him over, and they did throw him over. And that's where we left things last time. Jonah is thrown into the sea, and the tempest or the storm <coughs> calms down. That's over with. And we come today to verse 17 of chapter 1. So let's read this together. And the Lord. Verse 17, and the Lord, the Lord's name is all capital letters there in your Bible. That stands for God's eternal name, Yahweh. I love that. I love his eternal name. Yahweh appointed a great fish. He appointed it. Who appointed it? He did. What did he do? He appointed it. He sent it. He gave it its purpose too. What did he appoint it to do? To swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly Of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish." And so Jonah prays this prayer from the belly, having been in there for a period of time, he prays this prayer, and now get this, capture this, during the prayer though he recounts what happened before he was in the belly of the fish. And so keep your timelines right here. He prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish and it's amazing what he does here. He is worshiping God from the belly of the fish. Now we know that shortly what? He's going to get out of there. He did not know this. In the belly of the fish he begins worshiping God not knowing if he was still going to die, not knowing what was going to happen. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord. When did he do that earlier? Saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, or the pit, or death, or hell, whatever you want to say there, out of a bad place, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice, amazing, for you cast me into the deep. Into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows. Whose waves and whose billows? The Lord's. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. He thinks he's going to die. And they're sinking down in the ocean. You can imagine Jonah saying, you know, all this was washing over me. I know this is the end, I'm going to die here, but I shall again look upon your holy temple. I, I, you know, the Lord is still mine. Verse 5, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me, weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Don't miss the power of this poetry. I mean, can't you just feel the entanglement? Can't you just feel the hopelessness and the trappedness in this moment? The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds, those nasty old seaweeds, they wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. Wow. Down deep in the ocean, I went down to the land whose bars closed over me forever. Yet you brought my life up from the pit. How so? He did it by sending a great fish. Many times we think of this fish as a part of Jonah's what? Punishment, right? Bad Jonah. You should have gone where God said you're getting swallowed up by a fish now. But the Bible and Jonah count this as what? A rescue. Listen to it. You brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away I remembered the Lord And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. You put your faith in the wrong thing, you're sunk. You forsake the hope of steadfast love. If you know that the love of God through Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, if you know that Yahweh is the one true and lasting God, and you say, nope, I'm going to plant my life over here, in sin and indulgence and comfort and stuff, in relationships and uh, whatever else. I'm going to plant my life here. Yes, I know that Jesus, I, yes, I've heard the message of the gospel, but uh, listen, I just don't want none of that. I'm just trying to get through this life and enjoy it as best I can, and you place your life somewhere else. What does the Bible say? Those who hope in, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. There's nothing there for you outside of this God, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. What does He mean by that? God you're gonna save who you want to save. I hate them, I know they're, I think they're vile, and Lord I don't want them to come to know you. They need to get what's coming to them, but Lord salvation belongs to you. I will vow, I will pay what I've vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord and the Lord Yahweh spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah up up upon the dry land. John MacArthur says I don't know how that fish got on the dry land or I don't know how that how far that fish had to project Jonah out of his mouth from that in the ocean uh, to get on the dry land but one way or another it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. Three unchanging truths about God that do not stay in the ancient past where this account takes place but leap into our lives today. The first is this, God never loses control. He never loses control. Uh, The Bible is very clear that in Jonah's chaos, in the disorder of this situation, in, in the panic of this moment, there is in fact a firm hand guiding these events. It seems like things are flinging apart. Nothing's happening like it's supposed to be, but behind the scenes there is a God, there is a trustworthy one who is guiding these events from moment to moment. From inside it wouldn't have looked that way, but there's a bigger, truer reality here. Look look how in control God is. Students, look how in control the Lord is. This will be on your screen. Who hurled the wind? God did. Who hurled this wind? It was God who did it from the beginning. He's the one who sent the storm. Who revealed Jonah's guilt by the casting of lots in this case? It was the Lord who revealed Jonah's guilt. Who appointed the fish? That's what the Bible says God did. It was the Lord who appointed the fish. Who cast Jonah into the deep? The Bible says it right here. You cast me into the deep. Who controlled the waves and billows? They were God's waves and billows. And in the end, who was it who? spoke to the fish and the fish did what God said for it to do. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. God, things are not like they're supposed to be in my life today. Things are messed up big time. There's somebody behind the scenes who is still in control. God never loses control. I saw a picture this week I want to share with you uh, of a toddler who had climbed, you know, those claw machines at the arcade Where you get a prize, the claw goes out and it drops down, and maybe you get a prize. This toddler climbed up in there, and they couldn't figure out how to get him out. Um, It seems like a big design flaw to me, don't you? I mean, mean, if you're going to make a glass case filled with toys, don't include a pathway for children to get in, right? But this happens a lot. I mean, as I as I looked at this, I saw all over different articles where this happens and this was a recent one where they had to call the police here and the police had to send that little guy back to the corner and say cover your eyes and they they broke it uh, to get him out. I thought about this for a minute, I don't blame him, do you? If, if, if I had the chance to do this I might do this today. If I find a snack machine you're liable to see me in there, right? <laughs> Eating the Three Musketeers or for some uh, peanut butter crackers or whatever they've got in there. Somebody, one of y'all please rescue me out of there. But he was in there and they, the, the dad had tried everything possible to reach up through there and to try to get him back out. There was just no way it was happening until they broke the glass and got him out. I want you to know you are never, as, as, a, as, a, as one of God's people, and today as a believer in Jesus Christ, saved and under grace, there will never be a time that you find yourself somewhere boxed in some way where the Lord God would like to get to you, would like to rescue you, would like to lay his hand upon your life and reach in to bring comfort or conviction uh, or healing or hope, there is never a time you're going to be someplace that God just can't reach you. You're right at his fingertips, you're right there, but he is powerless that doesn't happen. God never loses control. The purposes of God for your life are never out of reach to him. In the wildest chaos, there is a trustworthy hand, an eternal divine wisdom at work that has not lost its grip on your life and never will. Do you believe that today? You may not be suffering right now, There may not be a pain in your life that causes this to connect with you or to resonate with you, but friend, there will be. This life is full of suffering. This life is full of heartache. Even the righteous are subject to it. And I want you to know today that you're never outside of God's control. Jonah wasn't out of God's control. He might have thought so. The sailors might have thought so. But it wasn't so. Second, God never fails to see, God never fails to see. Jonah calls out to God. Look how Jonah describes in his lengthy prayer the place that he winds up, it is the darkest, most desolate, inaccessible, hidden, alone place imaginable. You've been alone before, you felt unreachable before, and that's what Jonah describes here. Look what he says. He refers to it as the deep. You, you threw me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. I was driven from your sight. Water closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. You ever been on the beach, dropped something, that ladies, maybe an earring or something, you drop it there on the beach and that wave washes up and washes back and boom, it's gone. You think you can find it, you look around, there's no hope. The, the, the sea was washing over Jonah and he was gone, buddy, gone. Uh, he, he, from his perspective, it was over. The deep surrounded me, the weeds wrapped around my head. What, what, uh, just vivid imagery sinking down in the entanglement of that moment. I hate getting stuck in my seatbelt when I reach for something and it locks on me, you know? I mean, I, I become very unpastorly in that moment. And, and, uh, but if you can imagine Jonah here, the weeds of the earth, the roots of the mountains just entangling him. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing he can do. The land whose bars closed upon me forever. The pit, Sheol. I mean, this is his description in this moment. He is alone. He is hopeless. He's invisible. Who could possibly see him in that dark depth? We can't go there, we can't know what's there, but the Lord God can find him still. My sweet wife Erica and I the other day were looking for my phone. I had lost it in our house and we were about to go somewhere to a funeral actually and I uh, needed to be there on time. I was a pallbearer at that funeral and couldn't find my phone, called it. And it it wouldn't buzz, and, and, and uh, <clears throat> so we just searched everywhere. We, Erica's getting frustrated at me. I'm making us late to the funeral. I said, well, get your phone, will you, and just would you call my phone? And she reached into her purse and pulled out her phone, and it was my phone, right? <laughs> <laughs> she had... She had put her, her phone in, my phone in her purse. And so anyway, one of those moments, you know how life goes. But um, there are times we can't find things and it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. I lost my keys once recently. A big old huge blob of keys. Hundreds of dollars worth of keys there. Gone, gone, gone. Couldn't find it anywhere. Found it outside in the trash in a bag. One of my sweet children, (laughs) had absent-mindedly, I mean not meaning to, just mind going a hundred directions, there in the kitchen had just thrown it in the kitchen trash and that trash got taken out by a miracle we found it. We hate losing things, sometimes things are so lost we can never find them. I want you to know that we are never in that situation. You're never, you're never in a situation where it's so dark, it's so deep, you're never in too deep of a sin that the Lord cannot see you, that he cannot find you. Jonah says here, I prayed to the Lord, or he prayed to the Lord as God from the belly of the fish. He said, I called out to the Lord in my distress, and what? He answered me. What a surprise that might have been. Oh, he still answers me, right? Oh, he, still, he has found me here. Oh, my, my voice came to him. The Lord doesn't lose track of us. I want you to know today that there is never a place so dark or a sense too far that God loses sight of you. There's never a place you cannot cry out to him and that he will not hear you. That's why we sing and call uh, this thing amazing grace. God's grace is amazing to us, but lastly God never forgets his own. When my life was fainting away, verse 7 says, what did he do? I remembered the Lord. I love that. I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Two amazing things happen here. Jonah cries out to God. He cries out to him. You wouldn't expect that, would you? After all, who put him in this situation? I mean, the Lord did. After all, what condition was Jonah's heart in outright rejection and outright rebellion of God? Who would think that in that state of sin, active sin. This is not a sin that happened 12 years ago, in that state of active rebelliousness that Jonah knew enough that, you know, at least I can cry out to God. And he did that, he cried out to God. Another amazing thing happens here that's even more astonishing, God hears him. His prayer is granted access to the throne room Of heaven in that moment. My prayer came to where? Your holy temple. That ought to amaze us a little bit. In that deep place that Jonah put himself by his own sinfulness, he cried out to God and listen, the Lord heard him. God never forgets his own, he doesn't forget his own. Today if you're not one of his own, you need to get there quickly. You need to find faith in Jesus Christ you need to take that step because God does not forget his own. You're never alone when you have God by your side. I was at the Bell Minor home this week, last week I think actually, uh, to see Jack and Louise Lester. It's a tragic situation. Jack and Louise have suffered greatly in their physical bodies. I mean my heart goes out to him. Louise is, is a sick, badly sick, many surgeries, She's out of it, completely out of it. I mean, never wakes up hardly. <clears throat> when she does wake up, she's not in her right mind. She can't reason. She doesn't know what's happening around her. Jack is at her side constantly, and to look at his body, a, a man we love dearly, he's just worn, worn thin, past the point. I mean, just worn thin, and I don't know how he's even carrying on like he is. He's an amazing man. But during this time, as they're managing all of this, they lost to death their youngest daughter, 56 years old, unexpectedly, and just found found dead at her house on, on a, a weekday morning. And uh, the family had to go there and deliver that news. David was there. Uh, we were there together. All the family had gathered there together. Uh, and some uh, grandchildren and children and went over there to tell Jack, Jack's at the nursing home, unsuspecting, and here we all come in the place, and I remember, I think it was Kathy, his daughter Kathy, uh, who said, Dad, Beth is gone, and he said, huh? And she said, Beth, through tears, gone, and Jack, in a moment, his head just fell, and tears came to this mighty man. With all strength and respect, the tears came, the sorrow flooded. Louise, his wife, they still haven't told, the funeral was yesterday. After two weeks, the funeral was yesterday. She still doesn't know because they can't tell her. There was a moment in that room, there was a moment where everybody was busy, and everybody had somebody there, Every grandchild had their spouse there or, or their own child there. David and I, the two preachers were there. We had each other. Everybody was paired off, and there was a moment of busyness when a nurse was in, and there was business that had to be transacted. Nobody was doing anything wrong. It was just one of those moments where everybody was occupied, and everybody had somebody else in that moment. And I happened to look over, and there was Jack and he was truly alone in a room with all those people. There's nobody attending to him, nobody helping him. He was there in one of those hard institutional hospital chairs, depressing, sitting there, shoulders hung over, head down, just disbelief and dismay on his face, and the one who was his for his life that he could have shared this with, at the moment, was inaccessible. He could not even get to her, and my heart went out to him. I rushed over to him as best I could. I got down on one knee, which is no easy task these days, and got down there and did what I could. fumbled. David f- just fumbled for words and, do I touch him? Don't I t- just? What God? What can we do here in this second? And later on, reflecting on that. It occurred to me that for us, for Jack Lester, for Louise, in reality, in actuality, no kidding, we in God are never alone. You're never alone. One of our widows came to me last week, and on the way out, she grabbed hold of me and said, I want you to know. It's been 30 years since my husband passed away. He passed away in Sunday school right up here, 30 years ago. And She said, but God has given me everything I need. You're not alone. It may feel that you're alone. Jonah described this situation as an awful lostness, but he found out really quick. He called out to the Lord. He remembered the Lord. His prayer came to God in his holy temple. The reality is that those who belong to God simply are never alone, not once, not once, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. Charles Spurgeon put it perfectly when he said, he who counts the stars and calls them by their names is in no danger of forgetting his own children. If he he cares for the stars, even the sands of the seashore, Like the Bible says, he does. If he knows them as intimately, as personally as he does, then friend, you are in an exalted position before God in the way that he knows and loves you. You're never alone. He's not in danger of forgetting us. God is with us. We'll have access to him and he'll hear us when we call out to him. Do you need to cry out to God today? For some reason, for another, for some need in your life? some sin in your life for salvation today, do you need to call out to him? If you need such a savior as you've heard described in this text of scripture, if you need that kind of God who never forgets, who never fails to see, who's always with you, if that's what you know your heart is missing and longing for, then friend you call out to God today because there's hope for us all. Here's the hope, Jonah was a terrible prophet, he was the worst, right? God said, go, I want these people to come to know me. Jonah said, I hate them and I ain't going. And he did not go. And then in the end he said he would rather die. we'll, We'll go through all this later. He said, well, I would rather die than for them to be saved. That's an awful person, isn't it? That gives us hope. You know why? because if God had such compassion to see and to save, to deliver out of that hopelessness the the awful prophet Jonah, then in our sinfulness we have hope too. If he can save Jonah and if he would save Jonah, then he would save you and me. Jonah found himself in the darkest of pits due to his own defiance of God, and God still heard and responded to his cry remember that remember that now and if life is so good right now if it's so you think man what is all this then remember it for later you're going to need the Lord somebody here needs him today somebody here needs him today somebody needs to be forgiven you've been hesitant to admit it you've been hesitant to repent there's a lot wrapped up in this pastor I know it Somebody needs to repent, somebody needs to let loose of something today, somebody needs to come back to God today, somebody needs to come for salvation and say yes, Lord, yes. I don't want to put my regard in vain idols and forsake my hope of steadfast love. God's put it on the table because he wants it for you, wouldn't you reach out and take his hand? Let's pray.